Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! What's up, Space Nerds? Welcome to the show. I'm here with our Firefly nerd, Mrs. Jane Smith. How are you, Jane? Hello. Good. Hi. I am happy to be here. Yes. Uh, I, we are getting a little along in Firefly, so we're going to have to give me some other... I don't know if I want a new title. I think I'm okay with being forever crowned the the Firefly space nerd. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, we have made an official decision on what's coming up after Firefly. We just decided yes. because we only have like three episodes left of Firefly. Um, and we obviously don't want to lose Jane on the Space Nerds podcast. <laughs> it's not like Firefly is done and you're out. So we wanted to come up with a new recurring segment for Jane to co-host. And we've yeah. decided to do sci-fi movies. Hooray. Yay! Starting with Serenity, the Firefly movie. It's perfect. <laughs> yes. Excellent segue. Yes. So once a month, yeah. we're going to pick out some spacey sci-fi movie. And Jane and I are going to actually invite more of the Space Nerds to come join us. Uh, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. I cannot wait. Although I'm sad to be done with Firefly, but I'm very excited to talk about some movies because we've been doing a lot of TV on the show. I'm like, yeah. what happened to the movies? That's my fault. We're going to bring the movies back. <laughs> well, okay. So speaking about movies and current situations, we're going to have a lull in fresh content for a while Yeah, because the planet is shut down and <laughs> yes. no one's filming right now so i mean it's true for tv and movies but like what happens when you run out of all the stuff that has already been finished that was already you know fully produced and in the can and yeah are we going to be in like um syndication mode where <laughs> all we yeah. have is reruns i mean there's so much content that that it's like impossible to see it all. So this is like a little opportunity yeah. to get a little caught up. I mean, That's I still true. haven't seen yeah. Demolition Man. I've always wanted to watch that movie. I've never seen Demolition Man either. Have you seen Sunshine? <gasps> I love that movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's put that on the list for our okay. sci-fi movies. We got to yeah. do like 2001 A Space Odyssey. We got to do Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There's so many, yeah. so many of my favorite movies that have never been covered on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm just I've never stoked. seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes, yes, we got to do it. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I've seen the last like 20 minutes. I don't know how many times. It's the best part. Well, I, I mean, obviously that's like the big conclusion, but like, I don't. I have no idea what happens to the rest of the movie. That's well, you're gonna find out. We're gonna, have to, we, we're gonna have to find out. We got to put it on the list. It's so good. Okay. What are some All like right. sci-fi space movies that that you are interested in covering? Oh man, uh, can we? Okay, it's not really, it's not really space, but can we do the abyss? Yes, definitely. Because okay. I've only seen half that movie. I was watching it with someone I was dating, and then we never finished it, and then we broke you up. <laughs> I haven't oh, even seen okay. the movie. You see only the beginning. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited for you. Um, <laughs> is I know it's like water attacking people, but isn't it like aliens involved somehow? Uh, spoilers. Okay, but, don't tell uh, me. But yeah. <laughs> Aliens it count. It's so much fun. It's okay. It's like Close Encounters, where like 
but underwater. If you haven't seen, but if you haven't seen the end, you've missed like the whole movie. I haven't seen the end. I'm so excited. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah. This, this is something that I've been feeling like was, is a missing piece of the space nerds uh, yeah. picture, you know, like the puzzle. Yeah. We really need to have like space movies on space yeah. nerds. What are we doing? We're going to fix I that. Agree. I'm very excited, okay. but we're going to finish awesome. Firefly first. Um, okay. okay. So Jane, we are featured this month on podcast Republic. We've been kind of going Yay. through and reintroducing our co-hosts. We did this with Alexandria last week. So who is Jane Smith? <laughs> Doesn't the internet want to know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, uh, I cover the nerd part of space nerd pretty well. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> I'm rocking that lifestyle pretty pretty hard for a while. Uh, I live in Seattle now. It's not always been so. I've been here for about, oh my God, seven years, six and a half, six and a half years. Uh, love the Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm really into books. So I'm thinking, how do we marry these two things together how do we get like a space nerds book club Ooh. In, in in like put those two things together i i would love to do that that's um, a great idea yeah so okay so me uh i love firefly i love reading uh just getting into playing games a little bit more uh, of the video game uh style but i play a lot of board games um like everything no i hate everything <laughs> i hate everything <laughs> um <laughs> yes but uh i like doing this so let's talk about more stuff that we do love yeah and that reminds me that we just recorded like a 20 minute patron cast about animal crossing <laughs> yes. so if anyone wants to check that out it's on our patreon patreon.com slash space nerds podcast yeah, check it out. It'll make you happy. Yes. Animal Crossing. So good. I'd talk more about it, but we just talked about it for 20 minutes. That's behind the paywall, damn it. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yes, Jane, Jane and I have been friends for years. We met when I was working as a leasing agent and you were the concierge mm -hmm. at this building in, uh, yeah. like by the waterfront down in Seattle. Bonded over our love of Firefly, ended up as yeah. podcasting buddies years later. <laughs> I know. It's still going. It's still going. Um, you were one of the first friends that I made when I moved to Seattle. Like uh, that, I got that job like a month and a half after moving here. So it, oh, it wow. was pretty fresh. Yeah. Like yeah. I just got here. Yeah. We yeah. had so much fun at that front desk. <laughs> we did. It was good times. Yeah. But that, I mean... I, that job. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was this, like, swanky building that was, like, j brand new and kind of falling apart at the seams. It looked great, mm -hmm. but if you opened any cabinets, like, the doors would fall off, and it was just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Like, black I, goo was was oozing out of the air conditioning, <laughs> and then we're trying to lease these apartments. Like, yeah, yeah, we're fixing all this, and uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Don't look at it. And for like a for super urban looking like loft concrete and everything everywhere, like the walls were surprisingly thin or, or there was a problem with like oh, yeah. ventilation, I remember, yes, where yes, like yes. neighboring people could smell what the other person was cooking. And it's like, but it's a concrete wall. How's it coming through? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And I lived there for like six yeah. months. Um, and yeah, those walls were paper thin. One day I, I finished work and then I went up the elevator to go home and I got off on the wrong floor and walked into someone else's apartment. 
<laughs> and I worked there and I'm like in my suit and they're like, oh, what's going on, Jesse? I'm like, oh, God, I'm in the wrong place. Yeah, you don't know that building well at all. That's fine. Yeah. Ugh. Well, shall we get going with some space news? Because we got a good one today. Yes, give us the space news. Let's do it. Space news. All right, Jane. So I've been, I, I have to say, I have like... 77 articles that I am storing on my phone. I've, I've just been cataloging so many articles of space news to do in this segment, and we just can't get to any of them fast enough. But this one I just found a couple days ago, and it was so exciting. I, I couldn't wait to talk to you about it. Are Excellent. you ready for the space news? Give us the space news. This is from physicsworld.com. Our universe has antimatter partner on the other side of the Big Bang, says physicists. Uh, let's get into this. Our universe could be the mirror image of an antimatter universe extending backwards in time before the Big Bang. So claims physicists in Canada who have devised a new cosmological model positing that existence of an anti-universe, which, paired to our own, preserves a fundamental rule of physics called CPT symmetry. The researchers still need to work out many details of their theory, but they say it naturally explains the existence of dark matter. It's fucking fascinating, mm, isn't it? Yes. So, okay. So, it goes... It, it's like mirrored time going backwards? Yes. Highly theoretical. We do not right. have proof of this. But, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. Something that's so cool about physics is that it's like observing the natural world and trying to write equations that will predict what's happening in the natural world. And then, obviously, mm -hmm. astrophysics is doing that for the universe, um, yeah. so yeah, there's this, there's this rule of CPT symmetry and I uh, unfortunately don't understand mostly anything about physics, but, but it's so cool to read about. Like there's this rule that they're right. trying to, um, apply to like the, the galactic model that we have right now to explain some things and there's, and also trying to explain the existence of dark matter because a lot of these equations require this substance that we call dark matter that we don't even know if it exists, but it just kind of fills in these, a lot of these equations in astrophysics. Right. Like it's, it started off as a placeholder in the math for like, exactly. okay, the equations are not adding up properly. We're clearly missing some sort of variable. Just, just call it whatever. Just, just call it dark matter. Just the, like, what yes. we, we don't know what it is. We, we can't observe it. Um, it's something that's, out there but we don't know so so it's really fascinating how math is uh shedding light on things that like we can't even currently with the technology that we have right now can't prove right yeah it's so cool because it's like well our ma i mean and we could be wrong about everything you know like science is always <laughs> reevaluating so it's, itself um, exactly yeah. you know um but like you get new evidence you you reevaluate yeah but there's a lot of smart people out there who are saying that we there has to be some sort of dark matter some sort of thing that exists exists to to make all of these physics equations make sense um yeah. and yeah who knows i mean hopefully we'll find out someday the, the hunt for dark matter is on right now and people are working feverishly to try to like find whatever this dark matter is or prove its existence um, definitively. And hopefully that will happen within our lifetimes. But this is a really interesting theory, basically saying that dark matter not only exists, but there is a whole universe out there of dark matter mm -hmm. that is running backwards in time from the big bang. Uh, it's like our mirror. It's like a mirror universe, but not happening like uh, the same with us. It's happening like reverse of us. 
That's a cool. Right. That's a cool idea. So Let's... Like, so, okay, so like the the thing with like black holes is that there's a there's a theory about having white holes that are just like spewing matter mm. out it's sucked in from another universe and so like what if that's how the big bang started it's like it was a black hole in a different universe and all the stuff that gets sucked into it then spews out from this <laughs> singularity in our universe giving birth to this universe is it is Ooh, it like that? that's so cool like an antimatter universe yeah went backwards in time uh, up to the well not backwards in time i guess it like existed in in a mirror to us and then as it was destroyed yeah. ours was created yeah or like what if we're the backwards one yeah. what if like everything that we're doing is the flip side of that but we're perceiving it as going forward because that's the only way that we can yeah observe it or maybe time doesn't even exist or time or maybe ta- all maybe time is I, this is like a theory that i love that time is um non-linear but we experience it linearly because that's how our brains process uh, information like uh-huh. like maybe everything that exists or ever will exist already does exist and we're just yeah. experiencing what we experience in a straight line I don't yeah know. for sure yeah no definitely um, lots of, lots of fun re- theories out there about about the existence of the universe for sure that reminds me of a book that i read when i was like tiny and i probably didn't really understand all the mathematics of it but it was trying to explain dimensions Mm -hmm. and in like a mathematical way so like one dimension is a point two dimensions is a line and or like like a like a square you know like a flat piece of paper but three dimensions gives depth right and four dimensions is time and Mm. but like if you were a being of two dimensions so like say you were a stick figure on a piece of paper how would you perceive three dimensions right you can't like it's super crazy hypothetical stuff that you can't you can theorize but you can't actually perceive it like you can't observe it for yourself so like us trying to understand higher dimensions through math and like the theoretical physics like this is is us trying to uh, peek over the edge, I guess. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like trying to get up in like in a rocket ship and get off of that yeah. piece of paper and look down and yeah. realize that like your existence is is three dimensional or four dimensional or five dimensional, yeah. whatever you can see from there. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, okay, awesome. let's read a little bit more about this article because this is fascinating stuff. Standard cosmological models tell us that the universe, space, time, and mass slash energy exploded into existence some 14 billion years ago and has since expanded and cooled, leading to the progressive formation of subatomic particles, atoms, stars, and planets. So that's the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Not the show, the actual theory. (laughs) However, Neil Turok of the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Ontario reckons that these models' reliance on ad hoc parameters means that increasingly, means they increasingly resembles Ptolemy's description of the solar system. One such parameter, he says, is the brief period of rapid expansion known as inflation that can account for the universe's large-scale uniformity. There is this frame of mind that you explain a new phenomenon by inventing a new particle or field, he says. I think that may turn out to be misguided. Instead, Turok and his Perimeter Institute colleague Latham Boyle set out to develop a model of the universe that can explain all observable phenomena based only on the known particles and fields. 
They ask themselves whether there is a natural way to extend the universe beyond the Big Bang, a singularity where general relativity breaks down, and then out the other side. We found that there was, he says. The answer was to assume that the universe as a whole obeys CPT symmetry. This fundamental principle requires that any physical process remains the same if time is reversed. There we go. There's a description of what that means. Space. Uh, okay. This fundamental principle requires that any physical process remains the same if time is reversed, space inverted, and particles replaced by antiparticles. That's so interesting. Turok says that this is not the case for the universe that we see around us, where time runs forward as space expands, and there's more matter than antimatter. Instead, Tur says Turok, the <laughs> dinosaur hunter, the entity that respects the <laughs> symmetry is a universe anti-universe pair. The anti-universe would stretch back in time from the Big Bang, getting bigger as it does so, and would be dominated by antimatter, as well as having its spatial properties inverted compared to those in our universe, a situation analogous to the creation of electron-positron pairs in a vacuum, says Turok. So this actually makes a lot of sense. Like, we That's talk cool. about, you know, uh, there's obviously more matter than antimatter, otherwise we wouldn't exist. Uh, and then you think about like for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction that is you know one of the tenets of physics like what if for every universe there is an equal and opposite universe and that explains where the dark matter is that that makes yeah. a lot of sense that's really cool i thought okay so i get dark matter and dark energy confused sometimes with the stuff that i've read over the years but i thought there was supposedly more dark matter or maybe it's dark energy because there's a lot of uh, missing mass in galaxies mm -hmm. for them to be able to hold themselves together with the current math that we have right now. So I don't, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, this is stuff that we honestly just don't know yet. Like the, the right. classic, the classic example that I always think of with, uh, with matter and antimatter is that the engines on the Starship Enterprise are powered by a matter antimatter explosion. So the idea is that if matter yeah. and antimatter meet, they blow up. Um, yeah. So that kind of, but then you but know, the universe is like huge, right? So so there's a whole lot of chances for them to not meet, <laughs> right? And also like antimatter and dark matter are not necessarily the same thing. Um, yeah, and dark, that's true, that's true. dark energy and dark matter, not necessarily the same thing. These are all right. Um, like, They're different things, but they yeah. just have similar terminology. Similar terminology. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if we're looking at our universe being a universe of matter, then maybe this anti-universe is one of antimatter. Uh, okay. And, but then the like the dark matter and the dark energy, we don't quite know how that fits in yet because they're still theoretical concepts. Yeah. It's a uh, lot to hold in your brain. I, you know, I, since we started the space news, I've been like trying really hard to, to learn about space mm -hmm. because so much of this is just so over my head and it's hard to, it's hard to hold it in your brain. Like the, the when you're thinking about the entire cosmos and mm -hmm. trying to understand it, like there's no possible way to understand the entirety of something that we can't experience, uh, from, oh, yeah. like from our planet, like we have to but get out there part of why it's so beautiful is that like we obviously like, you know, we're on the pale blue dot <laughs> Carl right. really well. And like, just trying to wrap our minds around the enormity of infinity. Like it's never, it's not possible, but we keep trying. Right. And that's beautiful.
totally it's awesome and there's a lot more of this article to read but i think that's i think we'll leave that to the listeners if they want to check it out i always put the links in the description of the podcast um and yeah again this is from physicsworld.com uh i'm so glad i saved this one to chat about with you jane that was awesome that was a great space news Yeah. Yes. The space news. The space news. That's the space news. Space news. All right. It is Firefly o'clock here on the Space Nerds podcast. Time to get spacey and get nerdy with our one of our favorite shows of all time, Firefly, with an amazing episode, episode eleven, trash. (laughs) This is a great episode. Everybody has a good time during this one because it's got one of our favorite guest stars. Yeah. Christina Hendricks, a.k.a. Yosef Bridge. Uh, one of the great things about Firefly in its short-lived run is that we got to see some of our favorite characters more than once. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, for other shows that get canceled after 14 episodes, you very likely would not get to relive uh, a, a character, like a like a guest appearance you know like the way that we do here we get to see badger more than once we get to see uh saffron more than once niska Um, niska has already come up a second time and we're not even at the end of the season yet well the 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 end the air quotes end so (laughs) it's it's really exciting to be able to see these familiar faces and explore the relationships that they have with her yeah, and Saffron was one of the best guest stars, and to get her back for another episode, that's another, yeah. like, great romp <laughs> is so cool. Uh, and not just, like, a quick guest starring thing, like, like five minutes. Like, she's throughout most of the episode, because it's obvious that she has good chemistry with the cast, right? and, and she's a, a great actress, but, like... The fans just want to see more. So I, I can't help but wonder how many times she would have reappeared. You know, is like, what kind of a, a gimmick <laughs> throughout <laughs> the show? It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's it's March. Like, uh, it's, time to, it's time to bring Saffron back so we can see her again for yeah. more hijinks, you know? Yeah, I was thinking about how easily she could have been sl- slid into the crew and to be a regular cast member and how cool that mm-hmm. would have been because yeah. i i love this character like she she's so interesting because she on one hand is like this trope of a woman who's just using her feminine feminine wiles to get what she wants but on the other hand she's like the female equivalent of malcolm reynolds who's just yeah. out there in the verse doing whatever it takes to make her way and and to yeah. make money and, and there's something like that. really cool and powerful about that. Yeah, we we see it from the like almost her perspective in this episode because she's on the same heist. She's on this well, right. most of it. She's on the same team uh, as our crew members, and so getting to see more of that would be great. I I would love having her be like uh, a resident of Fire or uh, Serenity yes. for a little while. Yeah, yeah, because she's so multi-layered and we still don't know her real name. Although, mm-hmm. maybe it is Yolanda. I think it might be Yolanda. <laughs> <laughs> she's very defensive about that. Like, right. why Why would she be like, my name's not Yolanda, you know? Like, right. if it wasn't actually Yolanda. I, I don't know. I feel like she probably, like, even though that we find out that Durenhamer is, is, like, the first man that she ever married and she tried to take it seriously. Right. I feel like she was but probably... But, but, but like, did, but did she? Or was she just playing Mal even then right. to get him to do what she wanted? 
I feel like she was probably also a precocious, you know, like kid and teenager and maybe she ran away from home at a young age or like she clearly has companion training from the academy so like and Nara right. could probably find out there's probably records somewhere like we we see later on spoilers uh that Anara is in a place where she can maybe dig up those records i i would be interested to know you know what yeah like what be- is out there between the show and the movie when she like goes to that mm-hmm. place yeah 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 totally yeah and um, she's clearly teaching a new generation of companions and so like she's in a place where if there are any records you know that's where they would be right yeah that's really interesting i i love the way that this episode starts where we run across saffron i is it saffron or saffron like mal says saffron but the description it's spelled saffron i don't even know what yeah. her name is it's uh, so the first time that we meet her it's saffron uh okay. so like it named after the because she's a redhead and so named for like the orange okay great point. there we go so it's, yes that is pronounced saffron saffron okay but you know regional dialects and everything some some people would probably say it a little faster a little more scrunched a little condensed into saffron gotcha okay uh, cool. that makes perfect sense okay so yeah, yeah mal is like meeting up with an old war buddy to work on some caper of some kind and mm-hmm. saffron has married this guy <laughs> and they just come uh, across Monty. each other monty yeah yeah, yeah. um what did, you, what did you think of monty in the beginning the guy who he's shaved his beard but still has this giant mustache very, he's very much a character he's very obviously supposed to be a little simple like mm. mal looks like the genius uh when they're having a little conversation he's like oh yeah. you were always the one with the brains and it's like wait this is mal we're talking about he's not necessarily known for being the biggest of thinkers and his plans always go awry and um but i mean he seems like a genuine guy you know like a a sincere sort of fella yeah Uh, so you know if, if mal likes him then he's probably a pretty pretty decent human yeah i i love seeing a war buddy of Mal's. I love seeing mm-hmm. like a, a piece of his past. I feel yeah. like that whole scene, it like rides this line in tone where it's almost schmaltzy, like where their their acting is a little weird. Well, I- you know what I mean? <laughs> I we find out at the very end, thanks to Anara hanging a lantern on it, that the crew members were acting weird, right, for a reason, right, right, but, right. <laughs> but we don't know that going in. We're like, is everyone a little drunk in this episode? What? Right, like they're <laughs> all playing saffron the whole time. But this is like yeah. before we even know that saffron's in the episode. Like this Monty yeah. guy is a little. Mm-hmm. He's like a little overacted, but it, oh, yeah, but yeah. then Mao is kind of like matching his energy in a weird way. Yeah. And I kind of like I it. Feel like, <laughs> I, I kind of like, like it. I feel like it's appropriate. It's yeah. like you go to a, like, you know, like a high school reunion or whatever. You see right. a, a buddy from 20 years ago and you're like, hey, you know, and yeah. like my life is awesome. What are you up to? Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of <laughs> grandiose with your with your words and your gestures. And so sure. I think it's it, it checks out. Yeah, it checks there out. Is, <laughs> wasn't that thrown off by it but uh, yeah it is it is obvious not just uh during the caper but like <laughs> the whole episode everyone's a little extra yeah totally and you're right that like yeah. the crew itself 
uh, is being extra for a reason. And I love that. I love that when you get to the end of the episode, you find out there's, there's like a whole scene that you miss because, yeah. you know, Mal smuggles Saffron back onto the ship in this box. Uh-huh. And then... Yep. Uh, he reveals to the crew and the audience that he's done that and then they were doing this caper and the crew pretends that they didn't know she was there and the audience thinks that that's real but then at the end of the episode you find out that we missed this entire scene that they just Mm -hmm. left out to keep the audience in the dark where he tells them that Saffron is there and he tells them she's going to double cross him and then they make a plan for that and then that comes to fruition at the end which is great (laughs) it's great writing I fucking love it we didn't I, even mention the it. fact that this starts with Mal sitting naked in the desert, by the way. I know. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> like, And it's like 72 hours earlier. So we get to see why he's naked in the desert. It's great. Right. It's great. This is, what, this is one of the best episodes for various reasons, but it's, it's fun. Like throughout yes. most of the episode, you're laughing or you're crying because you've been laughing so hard or you're like, you're looking at the beautiful things. This is one of the few times that we see kind of at a core inner planet, kind of rich people alliance community. Everyone has their own floating Island. It's like real life animal (laughs) crossing. (laughs) Exactly. But floating, it's better. Oh, I should have named my Island Bellerophon. Yes. That's so good. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. What a missed opportunity. You got to start over, Jane. Oh, uh, uh, it's yeah. Just delete all my account and start, start a new game. Yeah. I wish that we could like make one Island all together and call it Bellerophon. It'd be cool if the game worked like yeah, that. Cause it's like, it's the planet or the moon or whatever, uh, that they're floating on. Like not each little individual Island or floaty thing has its own address or name. I'm yeah. Sure. yeah. 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 Probably People wouldn't is. pay however much they're paying for those floaty islands to have them all be uniform. Yeah. But what a cool planet. It's like a bunch of cloud cities. <laughs> yeah. Right. <sighs> yeah. That's a, it's a great episode for visualization. Yeah. And Mal's butt. He's got a great butt. He's got an amazing butt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like good job, Nathan Fillion. Uh, I don't know what your butt looks like these days, but I've, Good job. <laughs> Break me off a piece of that Malcolm butt. <laughs> yeah. And okay. So that tattoo. Yeah. Can't tell exactly what that tattoo is. But I don't know what it is on, at all. I was hoping you knew. I, I don't. I never went down the rabbit hole of like the internet backroom chats about what that tattoo was. But watching it in Blu-ray on a giant screen, it's still a little fuzzy. Because I think they were, the camera was deliberately, you know, had some distance. So it wasn't like right up on it. But, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's like some sort of tribal squiggle or something is, is the best that I can ponder. Yeah. I know it's it's, knowing the show, it's gotta be something interesting. Like every detail is, is, Mm -hmm. is crafted on this show. So I really wanted to know what that was. Yeah, I don't. I, it's hard to tell. You know, some people get like the the army tattoo or whatever. It, yeah. it didn't have anything obvious on it, so I don't. Maybe they were gonna explain it later. There's probably a story that we just never got. Yeah, if any if any of the listeners know, please email us and let us know, because I am fucking curious. We we all desperately need to know. Yeah. Um, 
So one of the other things that I noticed uh, watching it this go around was in that early opening scene with Monty and like all of Monty's crew rummaging around in the back, like moving boxes and crates and things. There is another female crew member with short red hair that at first I'm like, are we supposed to think like she's walking around you see her multiple times i noticed that i'm like oh is that saffron no wait it's not I know, like, that's obvious. like having seen this before i'm like how did i not notice her and like are we supposed to confuse her with or bridget is is her name at the time like are we supposed <laughs> yeah. to think that that's his wife and then the big reveal is that oh no there's a different redhead with short hair but i'm wondering now because there was definitely a fight scene like she, she and Mal kind of tussle a little bit. Was that, was that the stunt woman, maybe? Hmm. And they're just like, just, just move some crates around. Look like you're doing stuff. Yeah, maybe they just needed more background extras. Like, let's just throw the stunt woman in there. Maybe. Yeah, it's like we, we already have somebody on set. Like, I don't know. That was that was my ponderings. Yeah, that's a great fight in the beginning between Mal and Saffron. Really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, okay, so then we get back to the ship, and then we start this caper to go steal. This proto laser, which I love, I love it. Like yeah. this is like the, this is the most Ocean's Eleven style episode where they kind of plan this caper and narrate it as uh-huh. they're doing it later. Yep. Um, there's there's a couple moments of of background acting in this episode that like fill me with joy, and one of them is when they're talking about what that laser is, and they're at that the dining room table, and Jane uh-huh. is like eating with his mouth open, and he has this look of pure greed on his face when they start talking <laughs> about the laser. Oh, it's he's beautiful. He's got like the, the like squirrel moment where he's like doing something and putting food in his mouth, and then she says laser, and he like swivels his head around and like yeah. flips it, like and his eyes wide open. He's like, no. Yeah, like the dog and up, like squirrel. Yeah. And yeah, that so Lassiter, it's a great yeah. name for, for like the first laser. I know. Was that a, do you think that's a, a nod to John Lassiter? I, I feel like it has to be like Maybe. a, like a little tip of the hat in the industry to other filmmakers and, and, uh, yeah, it could people. be. Cause like, cause Joss Whedon knew John Lassiter from Toy Story, right? Like he oh, was a that's script right. actor. You're he was so a right. On, on Toy Story, so he yeah. has to know who John Lasseter is. Like, yeah, yeah. That reminds <laughs> me that I I noticed this one was written by was it Ben Edlund and Jose Molina, I think. Mm-hmm. And Ben mm-hmm. Edlund is the creator of The Tick, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like he's that, done a lot of really fun stuff. Yeah, that sense of humor of his is so good and like really <laughs> permeates this episode. And Jose yeah. Molina is an amazing writer. Like a lot of his Firefly work is exquisite. Mm-hmm some of my favorite stuff yeah totally um yeah well, like when they break onto or break into bellerophon like they have this whole plan to throw the the lassiter in the trash which is why the episode is called <laughs> trash um some of the most incredible stuff in this episode is is that the stuff where wash is like flying the ship and um mm-hmm. first jane and kaylee and then later um um um, um oh my god i'm just Zoe and Kaylee, thank you, are on yeah. top of the ship trying to yeah. like reprogram this trash machine. Mm-hmm. The way they shot that was so cool. And like the way it's acted, this was another one of those acting moments. The, the way that Wash yeah. is trying to hold the ship steady when his like <laughs> friends and later his wife are on top right. of the ship 
trying like to like family in imminent danger yeah they're like trying to he's trying to get them high enough to to like put this circuit board into this other thing but I, it yeah. really like brings the ship to life you know i love when people are on top of spaceships it's one of my favorite things <laughs> like thinking back to Empire Strikes Back when, you know, Lando goes on top of the Falcon to pick up Luke under uh, Cloud City. Um, yeah. Anything like that. Or like on uh, Star Trek First Contact when everyone's like walking on top of the ship, Picard and Worf are on top mm -hmm. with trying to, and Damien Dark from <laughs> these other shows. Uh, they're trying to, like, they're walking on top of the deflector dish. Getting to see people walking mm -hmm. on top of spaceships. I love it. Yeah, I love it so much. Awesome. And it's a, gr it's a great example of it in this episode. Yeah. Speaking of uh, sunshine earlier, like mm. there's a really good scene in that movie where they have uh, spacesuits that are like, they've got the gold covering on them to help protect from the, like the sun just beating down on them. Yeah. So close. That's one of the best scenes I think of, of people walking around on the outside of a spaceship. Oh yeah. Oh man. That movie is so checked. good. We got to put that early on the list because I haven't watched okay. that in years. That's a movie yeah. that I saw in the theaters where some friends were going to the movie and like, yeah, we're going to see this movie called Sunshine. I had no idea what it was. And I was yeah. just like transfixed the whole time. It's, awesome. it's like a space nerd's wet dream. But then it gets so <laughs> trippy and then so scary and then so over the top and weird yeah. by the end. And mm -hmm. it's, I mean, tell me what you see is one of my favorite lines from any sci-fi movie tell me what you yeah. see it's it's so good it's so good i can't wait to, to talk about that anyway great movie but yeah and there's that scene in that movie where they like blast themselves from one airlock to another and they cover themselves in that uh like weird sparkly wrapping stuff yeah yeah so uh, good so good yeah um yeah i mean i love i love bellerophon it's such a cool planet and i, I this watch through i've really been paying attention to trying to like look between the seams and see how things were made. And it's obvious uh -huh. that they like had some sort of, you know, beautiful garden that with this nice looking house, like some great yeah. location that they found that they shot to be like the surface of one of these floaty islands. And then they mm -hmm. have all this CG stuff of the floaty islands themselves, but they never connect the two. Like if you're paying attention, like you never see a garden on top of a floaty island or you never you don't see, see them. Like water view right, right. of the, right. like looking over the edge right. of the floating island which i really want and i understand that that's probably like a budgetary concern but they make do yeah. so well with what they have and like, it was the, very believable yeah the limited resources that they have they really made it work it's it's mm. a pretty cool like trick of filmmaking i love that type of stuff <laughs> so yeah speaking of like locations the naked mal scene um is obviously Southern California. Like I grew up there. Yeah. I recognize every time uh, like, you know, the, the Buffy scenes where she's grappling with the, the first slayer or like they're on a desert planet. It's like, Oh, that's, that, that's Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can see, you, you can like, if you know where to look, you can see like the roads, like the freeway or not the freeways, but like the little tiny, like two lane highway going in the background with the cars. <laughs> <laughs> um or like the the little houses um it's just it it's impressive that they're able to make an entire universe out of very limited uh locality yeah totally it makes you know i've been doing some like i i, I filmmaking is the wrong word but i've been doing some like youtube <laughs> videos recently with uh 
<laughs> like where I've been shooting a lot of stuff and I'm working on this music video for my song Moisture Farm, which is uh, all about Star Wars. I've been working on it for over a year and it's almost done. I had to reshoot a bunch of stuff and I've been doing a lot of like Ooh. green screen work, putting myself into Star Wars and just yeah. like studying that footage and trying to recontextualize it to put myself into it um, and make it into a music video. And yeah. just try like realizing that um, like kind of giving the impression of something sometimes is enough. Like it, it'll kind of make sense. You don't have to show the actual thing. Like I wanted yeah. me to be dancing in the cantina. I wanted me to, <laughs> me to be with the cantina band. Um, and there's no, there is no wide shot of the cantina in the, or, or with the band in it. Like the, yeah. all the wide shots of the cantina, you don't see the band. So, and it's like packed with people the entire time. So right. there's no like, clean shot for you to just, I put myself right there right like so yeah I had to kind of like yeah. imply it with just using the shots of the band or like putting myself in there's like I, yeah. I needed to have myself in a shot in the bar so I put myself in front of that shot where the uh the bartender's like pointing to the stormtroopers where to look for for Han and and Chewie yeah. or nice. I guess they're looking for Luke and Ben or I don't know who they're looking for um right but I had him like I had me dancing in front of that, and he's like pointing at me now. Um, but and I've like I've recompiled everything to kind of give the impression that there's you know a party happening in the cantina with me playing this song. Um, That's awesome. And it's I just my mind has been there, like thinking how do you kind of create something out of nothing, and <laughs> how do you make this stuff? And like watching Firefly, yeah. you can see it happening. It's so cool. Like they're right. just at some building in Southern California or some beautiful garden. And then they just put mm -hmm. it all together in this way that gives you the impression that we're on this beautiful planet with these floating islands. It's amazing. I know it really makes you appreciate like knowing how it's done, I think gives you appreciation for uh, all the work that went into it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, there's another subplot in this episode that I love, which is, river telling simon that jane betrayed them because we talked about this when we talked about ariel like yeah. we remembered that they find out later but we didn't remember when it we was. didn't remember the, the moment that it happened yeah yeah, yeah. and here um, it is we finally see it now and it's a nice interaction i love how big of a person simon is <laughs> yeah that's totally true in contrast to like the greedy narcissistic like child that Jane is and you just see Simon's like he finds out you think oh no what's he gonna do how's he gonna react and then he, he has this perfect moment where Jane is like incapacitated yeah and we're all like what's he gonna do and he's just like the thought of having an ongoing battle with you and sleeping with one eye open wearies me so yeah. we're not gonna do it yeah <laughs> Sometimes Simon is such a drama queen. Like that moment, he's like, he's like, it wearies me. I'm like, okay, buddy. But but yeah, but that yeah, that scene is so good at the very end of the episode where Jane has been injured and Simon is tending yeah. to him. Like the, mm -hmm. the scene you were just describing. I don't need to re-describe it. But uh, but yeah, I just I love that it it kind of turns. You expect it to be like Simon is going to punish Jane for betraying mm -hmm. them. But, yeah. but he's like, no, I'm your medic. And when you're on this table, I will always treat you the best to the best of my ability. And yeah. we're shipmates. And I have to trust you. And like, I know that you've tried to fuck me and in the bad yeah. way. And, I, and, we're, <laughs> and like, we're going to have to move forward and work together. And like, he's, he yeah. brings that to the table. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. Cause, uh, and that scene is like so many um, misdirections because at first 
he asks Jane, like, can you feel your arms and legs? Because he's given him a a a paralytic to stop him from, like, hurting himself when he wakes up. But the audience for a second thinks, like, oh, my God, did he just paralyze Jane? Right. Did he just, like, amputate all his limbs? Because we only see, like, this, like, from the neck up with, like, the brace. We don't see what's going on with Jane until the scene progresses a little bit. So it's very misleading but kind of rewarding. Yeah. But, yeah, when it turns into, like, him making this peace offering. Yeah. It's so good. I, I don't and, think it's even really an offering. It's just like a, this is how it's, it's like a, like a mom moment with a child. It's just yeah. like, okay, you've had your fun. You tried to betray me and sell me for money to the Alliance. We're done with that. Now we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally. just like, it's not even like open for discussion anymore. It's just like, this is how it's going to be. We're moving on. We're friends or we're not friends, but like we're crew members. We're, we're teammates this is behind us now <laughs> yeah and in the last couple episodes jane has been making more of an effort to be friends with river and simon i know it's it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah which i feel like is purposefully building to this moment where simon forgives jane uh yeah. because simon i mean river or simon, <laughs> the third <laughs> name i was going for jane uh, i'll get there um jane is, a girl's name. jane is a girl's name by the way yeah you know that more than most um really? yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah like the idea of like building to this uh, forgiveness and Jane feeling so guilty over what he did and like having this mm-hmm. honest moment of regret when Mal is going to throw him out the airlock at the end of Ariel. Again, yeah. my favorite scene of Firefly. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it all, it, it all makes perfect sense that he like has this guilty conscience and he tries mm-hmm. to assuage that by being nicer to them. And then they start to become friends. And then yeah. River has known all along. Like she, has known all along like we know that that she read his she mind immediately she knew yeah. before like the instant they woke up from that drug-induced sleep right uh, hospital she knew right you can see in her face like didn't even need to wait for the uh authority to arrive and so her carrying that around and not calling him out on it until now is is kind of interesting yeah she, she's the one who let simon know yeah and it, it makes sense because her brain is jumbled sometimes and it makes sense Mm -hmm. that she wouldn't think to tell simon she maybe assumes that simon knows but she doesn't until now like she finally tells him in this episode and it's so interesting that we're now like being really explicit with the fact that river reads minds um yes and at the end of the episode she tells jane like i can kill you with my mind (laughs) i know it's such a great setup that we're like oh Oh, what are we gonna see (laughs) they're like she clearly has superpowers show us yeah I love uh, it. I love it. We don't really get to see anything other than her being kooky in the show. <laughs> one of the main reasons this is one of my favorite shows is that the character development is so consistent and so realistic. Like, uh, yeah. I I love realistic character development in space, like in yeah. sci-fi. I just love it. Like, <laughs> because I feel like it gives you this opportunity to to really dig into the human condition when humans are experiencing. Mm-hmm like the the void of space in a way that we currently can't um, right it although that could all be changing with this with spacex going on i mean it's crazy yeah yeah it's space forces introspection yeah man the space force there's a, i'm trying to like i'm trying to learn more about what's going on right now because it's really crazy um so alexandria and i did a space news last week about the the launch of this the spacex launch happening this week where it's actually being crewed by nasa scientists which really Mm kind of took me aback because generally there's been this like 
you know, divide between, you know, the, the scientific space exploration has only happened with NASA. And we mm-hmm. haven't been sending astronauts into space for years. We've actually been sending astronauts up to the yep. International Space Station using Russian rockets. So, yeah, we have this like cooperation with other countries to mm-hmm. f- to further the human knowledge of space. And there's been this big deal being made over the fact that this is an American designed and built rocket, but it's also a commercially built rocket. It's not a government project. So I had this right. weird reaction to it last week and I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, about like, why did I react so strangely? And I, I've realized that like part of what I love about science and space exploration on our planet is that is it is a human endeavor. Uh, and yes, there's been like the space race in different countries and all that, but we've like come together mm-hmm. with the International Space Station, people from all across the world working together on the International Space Station to mm-hmm. learn about outer space and develop humanity's um, potential for the future. And I don't like this idea of it just being this American thing. You know, I, f- I thought we'd kind of moved past that. But, you know, this like wave of disturbing nationalism is happening across the planet. And now we're like, yeah. you know, like moving space exploration into this commercial area so that it can stay American. And that, well, but I do want to go to space. I am very excited. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I'm so excited about SpaceX going into space. I'm still excited. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What you brought up there about, like, the kind of nationalism of it is part of why so many people have been against the militarization of space. Yes. Um, Because it is considered international waters. Like, how can one country claim territory in a vacuum, you know? Right. So, yeah, it's... We were doing really well over the past, you know, half a century of uniting instead of div- uniting instead of dividing, you know, uh, coming together to, to collaborate on these works and to, to come together as a species instead of, you know, different countries, different races, whatever fighting against each other. That's one of the beautiful things about sci-fi, you know, is that it shows humanity usually as a whole versus whatever challenges that come up, whether they be our own or or outside forces, but it shows us united as one species. Yeah. Which we got to do. I mean, it's the logical thing to do to progress Mm -hmm. the species and to prevent us from destroying ourselves. Which is yeah. a very real possibility. We we have the tools. We've had the tools to do it for a while, you know. Since yeah. the you know since the forties, we've had the tools to completely eradicate all life on Earth. Um, yeah, it's and it's scary. But like the what I tell myself to comfort myself is that if if humanity can't get their shit together enough to not destroy themselves, then we don't deserve to explore the cosmos because there's going to be other life out there somewhere. And we, if we can't get our shit together to prevent ourselves from destroying our own planet, then what's to stop us from destroying life elsewhere. Even if it's just, you know, microorganisms living under the waters of Europa, like we have no right to mess that up. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's, that's an interesting thought. Okay. So bringing this around to, to Firefly, we don't see aliens. In right. any of those. There, yes. there is no alien life. The closest we see is, I think, 
the message. Uh, they're on a, like a space bazaar or something, and they're like, "Come see proof of alien life." And it's like <laughs> Simon says, "It's a cow fetus," but yeah, 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 <laughs> just like a mutated cow fetus. But okay, so that's that's the Fermi paradox, where what if we haven't found alien life yet? Because there is some huge hurdle, some filter mm-hmm. that keeps intelligent life from propagating throughout the universe. Mm-hmm. We don't see aliens in Firefly. What if humans are it? What if we're the only intelligent life? Yeah. And what if, uh, I mean, in that in that verse, we destroyed our home planet, you know, Earth that was. Right. We used it up until it wasn't capable of sustaining life anymore. What if we're doomed to do that you know, wherever we go? Yeah, that's a great point. And like, what if the limiting factor is species warring among themselves? Like, what if you get if to get to the technological point where you'd be able to explore the galaxy, you mm-hmm. would, you know, logically have the means to destroy yourself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. like technologically. So what yeah. what if like, what if most species that have ever achieved, like the level of technology that we ha- are on the cusp of achieving? have destroyed themselves before they got out into space? Or what if there's Mm -hmm. something like the prime directive going on where, you know, where species that do exist are like waiting to see if we destroy ourselves before contacting us. Or what if like, we're just in a a dead zone of intelligent life where we're the only one uh, anywhere close by. I mean, the the universe is so big that we can't comprehend it. It, We cannot even hold it in our minds. So to say that like, intelligent life doesn't exist anywhere else because we haven't seen it is crazy talk. Like we, we just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. And intelligent life might take the form of like energy creatures or photonic <laughs> creatures yeah. or something we're, where they, we're it's very like, biased. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe there is intelligent life on this planet that we don't even know about. Maybe the Mothman are real, you know, Mothman prophecies is a great movie. Have you seen that? <laughs> I have not, but I am excited to watch some other sci-fi movies with you. That's why I just yes. did. Jeff. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited because like I, I have I haven't been watching like sci-fi movies recently because mm-hmm. I I just really transitioned into just watching TV and yeah. I, it's weird like why did I do that I don't know it wasn't intentional I've still never seen Arrival I have to watch that movie <gasps> oh my god all right we need to make a list okay yes. so <laughs> yeah the Close Encounters The Abyss Arrival Sunshine uh, Sunshine there's there's a bunch yeah but mothman be first mothman isn't super spacey but it kind of is in this really cool way where i would put it i would put it on the list um okay where that's that's a show that i was gonna do a podcast about years ago and it, it fell through uh with these people i was trying to schedule it with like i actually read the book the mothman prophecies which has nothing oh, wow. to do with the movie and i don't recommend reading it but the movie <laughs> has got some really crazy cool ideas but it's kind of like a horror movie that's got some really interesting science fiction inside of it. It's fascinating. Okay. I love it. Um, and yeah, and also listeners, hit us up and tell us what movies you want us to watch. Yeah. Lots of ways to reach out. It's all in the description of the podcast. Um, yeah. Let us know. Jane, are you on Twitter? Um, so I have a Twitter account, but I never check it. Okay. Like, ever. I, and you, you use Instagram more, right? I use Instagram more. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, uh, can I put your Instagram in our, in our links? Yeah. I think I did. It's, it's Jane in Seattle. Yeah. So, okay. I can't Jane, remember. Jane, like Jane Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have you in our 
let, I'll fix it if it's not, but I'm pretty sure you're there already. If people okay. want to like reach out, I, I've put a Twitter or an Instagram for all the space nerds in the description of every podcast if people want to reach out to anybody. Um, awesome. Yeah. And yeah, you can tweet at me at space nerd Jesse. I changed my handle. I nice. like the new one a lot. Um, yeah, but okay. You you were talking about the episode about mentioning Earth that was and how there's no aliens and all that. There's and no there's no aliens. It's yeah. so funny because like um, Andy still hasn't seen Firefly, oh. but we live together, yeah. and she was on the couch yeah. while I was watching this episode playing Animal Crossing on her new Switch Lite. Yeah. Um, and I explained what the show was to her, and she's like, "Oh, so it's like Star Wars?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but with no aliens." <laughs> like the idea yeah. of no like there's this. And- there's this totalitarian yeah. government that our main characters live on the fringes of kind of avoiding mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. f- and fighting against. Like, that is very like Star Wars. Uh, yeah. And that's part of what appealed to me about this show. It's like Malcolm Reynolds is Han Solo, and we got a oh, TV yeah, show yeah. with Han Solo, and that's great. Yeah. yeah. They, they clearly knew their audience. They, they knew what they were going for. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, they mentioned Earth That Was in this episode. Saffron, or Saffron says, yeah, he has all these artifacts from Earth That Was. And mm-hmm. they've mentioned that before, but it it seemed like something that maybe this crew says in their like weird West old West language. But it seems like that's just what people call Earth is Earth that was. Like that's what people yeah, refer yeah, yeah. to it as in general. And that's such an yeah. interesting turn of phrase uh, as a way to talk about our home planet that no longer like, seems to exist. It's like legend now. Like it's only 500 years or so in the future, but people have clearly like moved on to the point where like the planet that originated the species is kind of mythical now. So yeah. it's earth it was. And you know, like the, the episode that we meet Saffron in, she talks about like the myth of how earth was created. And, and it's like this, uh, this like fairy tale of a mythical place, you know, it's like, it's not that far removed in the future. It's not like centuries or millennia or anything, but, but people have clearly moved on already from our birthplace. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you get to see that really see that when we go to Bellerophon and we see uh, this guy's collection of earth that was mm-hmm. memorabilia, it's like yeah. a phone booth and some artwork <laughs> and like stuff that's just kind of junk to us. But like that is yeah. relics of a, of a dead world in Firefly. Yeah. And it's so it's like, cool. It's so well done. Mm-hmm. I really like, appreciate how they did that. Like this is a, a post-apocalyptic show. It really is like earth is gone. It is. Yeah, we yeah. don't think about it much, but uh, well, and and part of the reason is that you don't really well, we didn't get to explore it that much. But uh, if you're watching it from like a DVD or Blu-ray or something, or most most ways that most people watch it, I think don't show the little snippet at the beginning that we've discussed before, where it right. sets up the fact that this is people on different planets that humanity had to get off of earth we used up the planet all the resources were gone and so we had to go out into the the galaxy and find new homes and terraform new planets right and uh they kind of glaze over that um in in normal dialogue yeah but there's uh, man something else i just really love about this show is that so much of that detail is filled in in the dialogue where they just like mention stuff in passing about earth that was or about like the way the the universe is set up now and there's just so much detail and world building and it's Mm -hmm. so gratifying because the first time you watch firefly you're gonna miss a lot of this stuff 
And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, this is cool, interesting, flowery language. But when you go back and rewatch it, it's all specific. It all has meaning. It is all world building. It's, mm-hmm. it's a perfect example of like using everything that you have at your disposal to tell a great story and to yeah. just throw yourself into this world. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, the, the attention to detail and the depth that really went into every scene, every like visual shot, every choice of like every turn of phrase and every word that went into the dialogue really makes you understand the the picture that they were painting to make this a, a bigger world but it makes it also so rewatchable right like, you'll notice things that like i can't tell you how many times i've seen this episode and i noticed things for the first time just in this watch through you know yeah totally so, like all the the you know chinese characters on the walls and the the way that the way that chinese culture has um meshed with western culture in this future because i mean at some point those two superpowers like become one in the past mm-hmm. that we don't yeah. see but it's just kind of implied throughout the show like everybody speaks mandarin and english um mm-hmm. And like the, what's the name of the guy who was married to Saffron? Well, that's not specific. Durham Hamer. Yeah, that guy, the guy who lives Durin. on Bellerophon. Yeah. Like he's wearing. Which sounds like a, like a, sorry. <laughs> we watched Lord of the Rings again recently. Durin Hamer sounds very much like a dwarf name. Like It really does. Dur- Durin and like almost Hammer. Like, yeah. Just, he sounds like a dwarf. Yeah, he does. Um yeah his he's wearing like a kimono sort of thing yeah it's very like the the collar of that is very um like chinese influenced you can tell in the yeah. fashion and and not just the things that like like uh companions wear which is a little bit more opulent and things but the uh doctor's uh uniforms like we saw in ariel you can see that things have kind of morphed over time and and put the eastern and the western yeah uh into a mixing pot of of fabric (laughs) yeah although i guess kimonos are japanese yeah well but but it's very it is very chinese inspired and i kimono is the wrong word his his outfit is very (laughs) chinese inspired Man, oh man, did I talk to you about this? I can't remember, but I was listening to a podcast. I, I mention this podcast all the time, Fat Man Beyond. It's a great podcast, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin. And they were oh, talking about yeah. Firefly. And Mark Bernardin was saying how um, like he hosted a movie night in Hollywood where people went to watch this movie and talk about it, obviously pre-pandemic. And mm-hmm. they were talking about the fact that the whole, sh- the whole show is built off of this idea that Chinese culture has become, you know like human culture as as well as like western culture but mm-hmm. there are no chinese characters in the entire series and that is this like huge blind spot it's, yeah uh i feel like that was one of the big blunders that the show made like yeah. obviously they're filming in california and but there are asian actors like extras is all you see yeah and that and that doesn't huge. count like missed opportunity yeah they don't have lines so like right. it doesn't count so i mean not to say that it doesn't count as in like obviously we should have you know the whole plethora of humanity as background extras obviously but you got to have main right. characters as well um, right i yeah. want i want speaking roles i want them to have a more than a bit part is what i want 
Yeah. And, and I feel like that may have come later. We will never know. But it seems like a huge oversight for yeah. how huge a part this plays in the in the world that they're in now. Yeah, it's really weird. I'm like when that was when I heard that I was like, holy shit, I've never even thought about that. It never even occurred mm-hmm. to me that there are no Chinese characters in Firefly in a world built yep. off of Chinese culture. Like right. so then then it when you think about that, it starts to feel like cultural appropriation. It does a little bit. It feels a little slimy uh, when you look at it from that light. I want to give the benefit of the doubt and say that maybe as they explored more core planets, maybe like those are the people in power. And so that's why you don't see them on these backwater moons. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I I mean, I don't know. I I also, I mean, as soon as I said cultural appropriation, I felt bad because it is a huge blind spot to not have any people of Chinese descent on the show at all. Yeah, but for sure. I've never seen a show where they use Mandarin and English together. Like that's super cool. You know, and like yeah. there's all this beautiful Chinese art all <laughs> over the place. Like Chinese culture is celebrated on the show. Um mm-hmm. but so I don't know, but but is it cultural appropriation if there's no one who is Chinese involved? Maybe. I don't know. This is a weird this is a weird thing. It's a weird gray area for sure. Um, like not even any, like the closest we get is people with the last name Tam. Right. And like, there could, there could have been more. Right. I I feel like. Like someone using like, uh, like traditional Native American headdress as a fashion statement, which was a big thing in the media a few years ago. It's like, no, that's not okay. Um. Right. Your Halloween costume can't be someone's culture. Right. (laughs) And this, this is not that. This is basically saying that like. Yeah, Chinese culture took over the entire human race and is now a part of everyone's life. I I would love to live in a world where all of the cultures of our planet are celebrated and represented all over the place. I think that would be yeah. super cool. But you have to like understand the importance of and history of those cultural artifacts that you are representing. You know, if you don't, then it becomes appropriation. And I don't know if yeah. this show does or not. I just don't know. I mean, hopefully there was like someone on staff who was you know, there was obviously people on staff who spoke like, the language. Yeah, there were interpreters who helped with the coming yeah. up with the, the the phrases and um, vocal coaches. Yeah, but, but but was there like a a cultural ambassador who was like helping them dress the sets or something? I just don't know those answers. Um, I hope so. Because yeah, those I are really important things. You know, it's really important. Yeah, I no, I totally agree. A- absolutely, I I feel like it was done for the most part respectfully. Um, I, agree. I agree. I do agree. Yeah. It, it it was done with the intention of like, this is, this is how life is for people in the future. You know, this is just, uh, it, I don't know. They, they don't really explore how those two cultures melded together. So right. and that, that, is, that would probably have a big, a big influence on whether it was appropriation or not. That's something I was thinking about today is like, what an interesting story that would be. Like these two mm-hmm. superpowers merging somehow. I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I, like I, is that how the is that how the planet got destroyed? You know, like is the the two of those powers fighting until they finally merged into one? Is that what did in the planet? Yeah, I don't know. I think there is like background material about this out there. Like Joss Whedon had a backstory, and I think he's shared it. And I think I've read it, but I know I forgot it. <laughs> I cannot remember. Yeah. And I'm super curious, um, you know, what it would be like for a Firefly fan who is of Chinese descent. Like, how do they feel about it? That's something I really want to know. And I, 
you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to have. If you are, yeah. If you're, if you're out there, right now, please let us know. Give us, give us your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my ideal version of the Space Nerds podcast would have voices from all over the world as well. You know, we are far from that at this point. But but a way that we could fill in the, those gaps is with people listening. So if you're listening and you have a different, you know, cultural background than we do, and especially if you have a Chinese heritage and you watch Firefly, like I'm fascinated to know how it feels to see your culture represented on this show. And if you feel like it was done respectfully and well, I really, I, now I really want to know that. <laughs> Email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Excellent plug. <laughs> yes. Ugh, I gross myself out sometimes. But you have to say, I mean, I, I want people to email us, so I got to say what the you, email is. Well, yeah. If, if we're asking for input, we need to give them the means to do so. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's, what have we skipped on this episode? So one of the best scenes in the episode, I think, is when Saffron is like digging through the dirt, trying to find this gun. Yeah, digging she's, through the trash. She's in the trash bin. Yeah, but like Anara already has it and is wearing yeah. this incredible outfit. I know. She's in the desert. Like, she clearly had to go into that dumpster herself in order to get the thing. So maybe it was right. like sitting right on top and she didn't have to dig. But she looks immaculate. Yeah. And like, she's got on this veil that's got like all these little rhinestones on it. And her makeup is like perfectly immaculate. And she doesn't have a single bit of garbage on her. And then you see Saffron who's been like digging. <laughs> she's got like an eggshell on her shoulder and just like stuff in her hair. And it's like, it, it's a beautiful moment of uh, triumph for yeah. Inara. And this is like her first big heist that she's involved in really yeah so she's she's helped save the crew a couple times um uh paradiso i think was the name of the town that they were in uh in the train job when she has to walk in and get mal and zoe out of pr- or out of jail right but this is the first time she's really been involved in the crime yeah and it also resolves the tension from earlier in the episode when she and Mal are fighting about the fact that she's not getting any jobs because they're not going to any good planets. So then he includes her in this heist. Um, yeah, which is great. And she's the linchpin. Like she's the thing that makes it all work. And you can tell just from the performance and the outfit she's wearing that she is just rubbing it in Saffron's face that she's got the (laughs) upper hand. I love it. I love that part. That entire exchange is so satisfying. Yeah. And coming on the heels of the scene with Saffron and Mal in the ship as they are leaving, um, you know, what leaving, uh, what's it called? Bellerophon. Um, well, they're still on the planet. I guess they're still on the planet, yeah. When they're, they're, leaving, like, they're leaving the floaty island, yeah. yeah and, yeah. like, she's crying, and then she, like, turns the tables on him. And you just don't know if anything she says is true. Like, this, right. the whole idea that this was her first husband and that she really she tried to make it work. Play. Yeah, yeah. like, she's constantly acting. Like, there's yeah. not a moment where she's not trying to play someone or con them or manipulate the conversation to get what she wants out of it. Yeah. So, so, yeah, like even like the last that we see her when Anara like lowers the lid and she's like, you can't leave me in here. I have a condition. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I have a condition. That's so funny. But this is why I want this character to join the crew is because like, I don't know who she is and I want to know because the performance is so good and the, uh, like the lies are so extreme. Like who is that woman? Like who, who's at the core of her? She's always acting. She's always performing. Like, who is she? I want to know. 
I know that I I would want to say that we would definitely see more of her, whether she would just be a guest star repeatedly and would just appear for wacky hijinks or if she would become more of a a crew member i don't know but i would be in for whatever we could get out of her absolutely uh, wh- whatever the writers wanted to give us we'll, we'll take more um when i first started dating ryan he wrote a fan fiction oh. about firefly as like oh that's hot. a way to it's like a way to impress me because like this was one of the things that brought us together was our um our online dating profiles as we talked about like firefly and serenity and stuff oh. and so like he knew he knew that i liked it and he wrote this um story about what happens to saffron after she's left in the dumpster, like how she gets out and what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And it was just, you know, the opportunity for stories in, in this world is mm. just so ripe. Like there's, there's smiles. Okay. Yeah. It's my 16 and a half year old dog. He, he coughs all the time. We, I know I've mentioned this many times on the podcast, but like we have tried so many things to help with his cough and nothing has worked. And we're just like at the point where like our, our vets like, well, we're kind of out of ideas. So we're just kind of living with it. Poor little guy. I mean, I, I, it will be a very sad day when miles is no longer coughing in the podcast. (laughs) He's, he's the best. I love him so much. My little miles. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. Oh, uh, so yeah, just like whatever little nuggets of cameos or entire episodes we can get out of this character are welcome. Absolutely. And you're so right that there's so many opportunities for story. That's how you know Mm -hmm. it's a good show is because it is just this cornucopia of beautiful uh, moments that could all branch out into their own episodes. And Mm -hmm. I love how this episode is so built on Ariel. You know, like so much that happened in Ariel comes back in this episode. And I actually said before that yeah. this was the most like Ocean's Eleven. I take that back. Ariel's the most Ocean's Eleven, but this is still <laughs> very much that. Like, I, I love that when they do like these caper, like heist episodes, like the, the train, the train job was that way as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I guess there's several that are like that and I'm, I'm totally wrong about that. But anyway, um, but the episodes build on each other. They are serialized in the perfect way where they are episodic. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they have emotional resonance and character development in each episode. Mm-hmm. But then they also reference things from the past and build on things from the past. The characters remember what happened to them before. And yeah, respond. the comics to stuff yeah. that happened earlier is so good. beautiful. I love it. And then this yeah. episode ends with naked Mal roaming the ship, saying it was a good <laughs> day. Ended. It starts and it ends with naked Mal, which is just like a, a fan service just beautiful gift (laughs) yeah captain tight pants without his pants without any pants and this was the first episode that wasn't aired ever uh on fox when they first aired the show which is Mm -hmm. such a just weird it's a crime it's such a good one it's got all of the things that they were trying to get more out of it's got the comedy the hijinks the action and nudity like i don't understand why (laughs) (laughs) why uh i don't know we'll never know uh yeah i mean fox you fucked up yeah all right jane how many veras does trash get (laughs) uh i really do like this episode it's funny um 
but grading on a scale like I usually do, I'd have to put it a little bit lower than my favorite. Mm -hmm. So it can't get a perfect 10 out of 10 Vera's. I would say, though, that maybe... I would say at least a nine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't know. I don't know about nine and a half because it's good. But if like if I'm going to rewatch an episode, is it going to be the first one that I pick? Maybe not. So, but it's like the second. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's up there. Yeah. I I agree with you exactly. I give it a nine as well uh, because there are other episodes that I think are slightly better. this episode doesn't have as many of those brilliant one-liners that this show is so good at. Where it has some good stuff. It it does, but it also has some like weird one-liners. Like, uh, yeah. like I, I've seen you without your clothes on, but I never thought I'd see you naked. It's like <laughs> a weird line that is just kind of leading to her telling him to take his clothes off. So I get why they did yeah. it and I get where it's going, mm-hmm. but right. It, like there's some cool. dialogue that feels a little schmaltzy in this episode. I, we talked about that in the opening scene. Like, yeah, uh, there's a lot of camp. There's some there's some yeah. cheesy camp, which is enjoyable and it's fun and it's, it's a good time. But yeah, it's not as as moving as some of the other episodes. Exactly. So. Yes, that yeah. that's the only thing is like the emotional payoff is more one of like levity and joy and not quite as yeah. deep as some of the other episodes. And I love that. So mm-hmm. it gets a nine, you know, that's a really right, good right. score. <laughs> it's, it's a great um, episode, but I mean, there's yeah. a, cu- there's a couple that are a little better, but just by a, mm-hmm. just by a little bit, it's such a good episode. I, I mean, I won Vera. <laughs> I, if you're not smiling when this episode ends, you have no heart and you don't like men's butts. <laughs> Who that, that is an immaculate, butt. it's a great, I'm butt. just, Really, part really. of part of why it's nine beers is the butt. It's a great butt, yeah. Yeah, Jane, this was a great conversation. This was one of the most fun <laughs> podcasts we've done. I think I loved it. Yeah, uh, we're we're really hitting our stride now. Yeah, uh, we're hitting the end of Firefly. I think. Yeah, we, we know we know what we're doing. Yeah, it's we're so, great. We're so pithy. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I was just talking to Alexandria about how when this show started years ago it's almost five years old so i've been thinking of i've been getting nostalgic and and all that i used to have different people come on all the time and i had like rotating guests but not on a regular schedule and mm-hmm. like making the transition to just having co-hosts where we were doing the same thing over and over and like yeah. talking through a whole show i feel like it's, yeah. yeah it's just so much easier to like get better you know at podcasting because mm-hmm. like i I want to, I always want to be improving on everything that I'm doing and I want to make these conversations as fun and enjoyable for the listeners as possible and as fun and enjoyable yeah. for us as possible. That's like my most, that's my primary concern. I feel like if I'm having fun, um, then hope, and you're having fun, then the listeners will have fun. So the goal is to have fun for all of us. And I, <laughs> I, I do feel like we're really hitting our stride and I'm so excited for our next chapter on Space Nerds to go into these sci-fi movies. It's going to be great. Me too. And yeah, I mean, we should make a list. If people want to vote on what we talk about in what order, I'm open to that as well. So yeah, yeah. hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um, what is next? What is episode 12? Is it The Message? <sighs> I've only got a few left. Uh, Heart of Gold, maybe? It's either The Message or Heart of Gold. Mm, and, I can't remember. And then Objects in Space. That's the three that are left. The Message, Heart of Gold, and Objects in Space. Yeah. I know Objects in Space is last. 
the message is next and then heart of gold then objects in space yeah the message is my least favorite episode of firefly i'm very curious to revisit it it's got some great stuff in it. it's got the jane hat but um yeah yeah it's not as true to the characters like there's a lot of moments where it's like really but oh yeah and you can feel it's the last one they shot and you can feel everyone's hearts breaking as you watch it and it's it's a Mm -hmm. it's hard and like the episode is also like about heartbreaking stuff um and i remember not loving the guest star as much or that character not Mm -hmm. his not the actor but the character yeah Yeah. i i remember the character is horrible yeah i remember it being my least favorite so i'm curious to revisit it i mean yeah we'll see and we're gonna do that in about a month's time when jane returns from more firefly Um, yes well jane any parting thoughts for the space nerds out there uh you know just keep doing what makes you happy during these difficult times and if that's listening to people talk about firefly then yeah (laughs) you're in the right place (laughs) (laughs) we we have a few left for you yeah yeah (laughs) You know, there, Just, was a, uh, there was a time when I thought we'd never make it because we started this before I had like a six month gap in getting episodes out where I thought the show was over for a minute. We hit a, we hit a rough patch, but yeah. then we've, we've been doing a, a lot more recently. So yeah, it's we, been awesome. I'm so glad. It makes me very happy. Yeah. All right. Well, this is awesome. Thank you, Jane. Absolutely. Stay nerdy out there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Stay nerdy out there. You took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) Space Nerds is listener funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash space nerds podcast. If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!